Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, wonderful to be here this morning. Um, I hope you don't get too distracted by my voice, which doesn't carry the the strength that it used to have. I've had a bit of a uh, health challenge this week and I can only hear out of one ear, but all good, I'm here. (laughs) And I've got a message that I just felt um, God wants to bring to you this morning. It's a significant message and I just want to um, just let you know that God's affirming hand is on you. You know, it's so easy to fall into discouragement, to fall into a place of you're not good enough or you're feeling like you're just not cutting the mustard with, when, you know, things don't happen uh, the way you would like it to turn out. But God wants to know that he is a redeeming God who can just put his hand on any situation, any struggle, any mistake. He can redeem it and work it for good if you continue to trust in him and to stay located in him. And I just feel it's such a significant message this morning that we are located in him. We're going to be speaking about wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God. And in Proverbs 31 verse 26, it says, She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And today I'm going to be speaking more about the spirit of wisdom because there is such a cry and such a need for spiritual wisdom that comes from God because there's a wisdom that is in the world that is vying for our attention everywhere we look and it is such a distraction. I have found personally it is just being distracted by the so many voices pulling on our attention, pulling on our time, pulling on even our spiritual uh, resources to go in a different way to what God is saying. And there is a spirit that is in the world that is pulling against the spirit of God. And that's why I feel just the importance to encourage us to come closer to God in this hour, come closer to him. Be located in him because he will give you wisdom and he will give you kind instruction on how to lead your families. It is critical because there is a world out there that are running out of answers and that they need to see mothers and fathers. I won't leave you out today, but it's Mother's Day and mothers, I just want to just say you carry such an important role but I don't want to say that to bring a heaviness on you but in a sense that you are significant in the kingdom of God you are shaping lives for God's glory and there is a world out there that is looking as I said before for answers on how to shape their family's lives so we carry an important role in God's kingdom And there is a call for godly mums to march to the beat of a different drum to the ways of the world. There is strong opposition against our families to pull them into the ways of the world. And as I said, God wants us to be 
position in him so that we can not only withstand the pressures to go another way, but to carry a wisdom that shines brightly and stands strongly against that tide that is trying to pull us away. And there is no neutral ground in the kingdom of God. We cannot have our feet in both camps. And we're living in the days where we must choose who we're going to serve because we cannot serve the two masters. Those two roads of wisdom, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, they don't run parallel to each other, but they pull against one another. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 19, the wisdom of this world is enmity with God. In Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man and appears straight before him. But the end is the way of death. That's pretty sobering. Because left to our own devices, it looks right to us. It looks good to us. It looks the way to go um, for us. But the end of it is death. And that's why we must plug ourselves into God's ways. The wisdom from the world appears to have our best interests at heart. It wants us to make us feel good and it offers a quick gratification that shortcuts a longer process of character building that God must forge in our hearts. It tells you that you can have it all when you put yourself first. And there is a wisdom that comes from the world that is rooted in self-centeredness and that's why it looks good it feels good, but it will pull us away from where God wants to lead us. There's social media, there's internet, there's all sorts of wisdom spriting for our attention. And it can be immediately accessed and it lures us in to have a taste. And it may taste good and it seems right for you at a time. For a time, but it erodes your desire for God because you are filling up with a quick escape. It cuts short the longer progressive road that God wants us on to learn His ways and to surrender our will in order to do His will. And more often, we find ourselves frustrated when we want God to move quicker because we are. Feeding off the world for that quick gratification. And then we marry it into our relationship with God and say, God, you're not moving quick enough. It's not happening quick enough for me. And it won't happen quick enough because God wants us, our full attention, so He can do a slower work and a thorough work in our lives. And if we continue to feed off what the world offers, it can lead to a spiritual dryness because we are progressively drifting away from hearing God and our spiritual senses become dull because we're filling up with what the world is offering. I want to share on what can happen when we are vulnerable to drift away from God and when we're spiritually dry. And this dryness can come from feeling overwhelmed, by the challenges, feeling lonely, 
struggling to keep the family together, to keep the peace. And over time, it can wear you down. And your time is eaten up with the demands of the family. And without coming aware of it, you have drifted away from hearing from God. And the convictions you held once so strongly are getting weaker. In the book of Ruth, uh, chapter 1, I want to introduce a story about Naomi and her family. Maybe many of you have read this story, but it's, it's, there's so much in that book that um, is speaking to us right now. And Naomi and her husband and her two sons were in a place of um, famine in their hometown of Bethlehem. And because of the famine, they decided they would move from Bethlehem, Bethlehem and travel to a land of Moab. But they didn't go right into Moab. They settled just outside of Moab. And the meaning of the name Moab is a land just short of the promised land. This land, it was lush in the middle of a desert and it was described as an emerald in the sand. So it was an appealing land. It made sense to settle there because it provided for them. But the, Moabite, the Moabites worshipped foreign gods. Their ways were different to Naomi's homeland. And because of a famine in Israel, the family moved and settled their family there. This is quite sobering because we can live in a place where we're not plugged into God. We're not in the enemy's camp, but we're close enough to be influenced by what they are offering. And when we are spiritually dry, we can find ourselves drifting into other springs that the world offers rather than seeing and seeking God to quench that thirst. Living in this place will leave us living just short from God's promises. And it makes us more thirsty because only God's promises and feeding from his word will satisfy your thirst. In John 15, 19, Jesus tells his friends, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Finding acceptance in the world. This Christian life, this is what the thoughts can, can come around our lives. This Christian life isn't what I thought it would turn out to be. You're worse off now than when you were before you became a Christian. You prayed, nothing's happened. And so the world offers other things, places, people that can offer an easier way out. And we can end up settling in a place that is away from where God wants us to be. Not in the enemy's camp, but close enough to be influenced by its camp. And those influences can seem to be a better option than what the Christian life offers. It seems to be friendlier, more accepting. But these are the, this, this is the area of deception that the enemy now has us in. We start pulling away from, well, it didn't really work out so good over here. But I know I shouldn't go right into the world's ways 
But if you're close enough to the camp, you will be more influenced by that camp. And we look for anything that offers a quick respite. We can bow to the pressure our children have or, or friends place on us and our convictions become weaker on the godly values. We start dabbling in things that wouldn't ordinarily we, we would have done. Maybe it's that extra drink that helps me forget my problems for a, a bit. Maybe it's that relationship that makes me feel good about myself. Gives you a few laughs, but you know there's no future in it. It's just a bit of fun, just a bit of harmless flirting. You can tell yourself you've got control of this. I can stop any time. It's not full-blown sin, but it's playing around the fringes of what could become dangerous in your spiritual walk. How we justify ourselves. Again, the lure of the enemy when we're playing near the enemy's camp. It's not like we've renounced our faith. However, you're closer to hearing the world's influences rather than hearing from God. I'm just focusing on my mental health while I take a break from reading the Bible, going to church. I want to support my family, my, my children's dreams. And I, so I'm taking time out from church for a while. It's not the right season to be in church. We can sound spiritual and even twist scriptures, but we're in a place where God sends warning bells to call us back to him. In Ruth, chapter 1, verses 3 to 7, during the time of their residence there, Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. And these young men, Malong and Kilian, married girls of Moab, Orpah and Ruth. But later, both men died, so that Naomi was left alone without her children, without her husband or sons. And when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And today I just want to, just from that um, passage, I want to focus on those two sons' names. I would highly recommend that you don't call your names Marlon or Killian, because, <laughs> just in case you were thinking about that, because they both mean sickly, one means sickly, and one means wasting. Relationships that pull you away from God can make you spiritually weak and can pull against the call of God that he has placed on your life. Naomi suffered tremendous loss of her husband and two sons and all her sources of independence were suddenly gone. All her sense of security was gone. And when you've experienced loss, it creates a thirst, a thirst for provision, a thirst for relationships, a thirst for finding someone to belong to or someone to love. I was speaking to a young lady just recently. I just met her and... She was a single mum with two young children 
and she had planned to get baptised the next day, just a brand new Christian. And as she told me her story, she was telling me how her ex, former ex and most recent ex, um, just telling me about the relationship breakdown. Now, the first ex was not a Christian. The second ex was a Christian. And because he came across as a Christian, he said that he was a mature Christian and he offered her all these things that he would look after her. He turned out to be quite controlling and quite violent in the end. And it was concerning because she was about to go to Townsville because she was trying to escape from this controlling relationship. Quite often in church, we can see um, relationships form and because, well, they're in church, they must be, must be God. God must be in this. You've got to allow time for the fruit to grow in a person's life and taste and see what that fruit tastes like before you make a commitment in that relationship. Now, I'm praying for this young woman because she's going up to Townsville and she said, I cannot do this life on my own. I've got two young children. I've got to find a man. And I just felt I wasn't going to see her again, so I just went for it. <laughs> I just said, if, if that is your heart's desire, if that is your main goal for, for, for moving to Townsville, then you will attract the wrong person again. If you make put God first and trust him with your life, trust him to do a work in your life, so that you can provide for your family. Because that can happen. When you put your trust in him, God can lead you into, a, into a, a place of provision for a season. As you allow God's maturing process to evolve in your life so that you do not attract another person that can, will control you. In Psalms 42.1, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And I believe that God is calling us. There's a call to come home. Come home. Where is home? In him. In him. He is where we abide. He is where he will satisfy our thirst. And he is where you will find wisdom for your family. If you're in a place where you feel lost and overwhelmed, I believe God is calling you to come home. In Matthew 8, 18, 12, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 on the hills and go out to search for the one that's lost? If you're sitting here today and you feel that you are just so lost... that you are so hidden away in your struggles. And sometimes it can compound because you are a Christian, because there are thoughts of, well, shouldn't my life look a little better than this desperate situation that I'm feeling? God is on the search for you 
and he's found you this morning. He has, he has left all these other cattle on the hill and he's found you this morning. And I just pray that that touches your heart. If you are feeling lost, if you are feeling lonely in your struggles, if you are feeling in such a dark place right now, that this, morn this morning is where God has found you. God has found you. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 16. And this is when um, Naomi had decided to return home and her two daughters-in-law had decided to follow her. But Naomi had pushed them away and said, don't, don't follow me. I've got nothing to offer you. I cannot carry the responsibility of bringing two foreign women back into Bethlehem. She just didn't feel that she had the resources or the strength to carry another person. And it says in verse 16, it says, But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. And when Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. What a powerful um, passage of scripture. The name Ruth means compassionate friend. She was determined to walk with Naomi and embrace a whole new way of life in spite of Naomi's discouragement to turn her away. Maybe you've experienced rejection from someone that you wanted to, to um, receive support and encourage and there are times to relent, but there are also times to determine that rejection will not determine my direction to seek after God. Overcome the rejection because there's a resistance that will come your way as you start to make a stand for God. Wholehearted stance for God. The world or the enemy doesn't mind us if, we could, if he can deceive us into thinking that we can have our feet in both camps. But once we make that determined decision that I will follow no matter what comes my way, no matter what resistance, no matter what rejection, no matter what discouragement, I will not allow that to determine my direction and my commitment to follow hard after God. And I believe that the Ruths, the Ruth generation, they're here. They're coming at us. But it's up to the Naomi's to walk with them, to go with them, to walk together. I see these two women, Naomi, discouraged, defeated in her old age, suffering loss, having no hope. But she's still returning back to God. And I see a Ruth 
a younger Ruth with a call of God burning in her heart, determining to walk with this precious lady and to embrace her people, embrace foreign people, embrace a, a land that she has no idea really what she's walking into, but there was something in her heart that was burning after you. When you start making a decision, don't worry about the people who will not follow you. Don't worry about the relationships that might be pulling against that decision to follow hard after God. Allow God to sort that out. Because as the journey went on, Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, she turned back. But Ruth chose to follow. Sometimes we can carry the burden of people's salvations on our backs. But God has predetermined whether they're going to make it or not. He knows. He knows the ways of man. He knows the decisions from the end to the beginning. All He wants you to do is to make that determined effort to follow back, go back home, go back into that abiding place. Because who knows who will follow you. And as a woman, there's always someone watching you. As a mother, there's always someone looking at you, observing your life. And I have found that influence is much better displayed as an example rather than spoken of. And people are watching us. People are watching the Naomi's. And I tell you, I get inspired by the Marlene Gears of, of the world, <laughs> wherever she is. A pillar who is steadfast, consistent, always there, full of life, full of a youthfulness. That's the Naomi's that we need, church. But I just believe that God just wants to minister to the Naomi's this morning. But before I go step into that, if you feel that you want to make that decision again that you've never made before, perhaps, maybe you've just been on the fringes of this Christianity and you like what you see, but you're just not sure about it. My prayer is that you make that decision this morning. Make that wholehearted decision to go hard after Him. And if there is anyone in this room, if you've never really made that decision to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Yes, you do know about Him, but today you want to make Him Lord. Lord means, yes, I will follow after you. I will follow after you. I will commit my life over to you. If there's anyone in this room that wants to make that decision, or if there's any feeling that you feel that the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, if you could just raise your hand.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.